looking at a new series. We're going to be talking about um, what we call Messianic Psalms. Oops, didn't turn this on. Messianic Psalms. And uh, these Psalms actually that we look at, they speak about the kingdom, the kingship of Israel. And so when asked why do we want to talk about the Messianic Psalms, well the reason is because there's a direct connection between these Psalms and Jesus Christ. And so um, as we anticipate coming towards the Christmas season, that's already coming towards the Christmas season, uh, we want to really focus our hearts on Jesus. You know, when, when God, he literally, uh, well, Jesus' coming is the most significant event in human history, and so God literally spent centuries preparing the Israelites, preparing the world for the coming of Jesus. God gave hundreds of individual prophecies that described uh, what Jesus the Messiah would be like, what he would do, how we should receive him. And so every uh, Messianic Psalm really does have what we say has a double meaning. First of all, there is a historical meaning and this is what God is saying about the political king of Israel during the time that the psalm was actually written. So when the psalm was actually being written, um, uh, there was a, a meaning that uh, it was written to the people then about their king, but then there's also a prophetic meaning, and that is that they were speaking also prophetically about Jesus, who would be the ultimate a coming king, the Messiah, the anointed one. And so Psalm 2 is actually one of the first, actually the first, of the Messianic Psalms. And it speaks to a very practical issue about Jesus and authority. Oops, is there something wrong here? Did I go way ahead? <laughs> Jesus and authority. So um, you already saw some of the slides. But when we tell our child, obey mommy, and our child really little says, why? This is actually a deep theological question. Now, it's not a rebellious question, it's an inquisitive question, because you look at her face and go, that's not rebellion, that's just inquisitive. She's saying, why should I obey your authority, mom? Why should I do what you want to do, what you're asking me to do? That's the inquisitive. Now, we have also the rebellious response, which comes a little bit later. So we ask our child to do something, and they say, no. <laughs> okay, this comes, and we know it comes, and we say, no, I don't want to do what you say, so why should I obey you? Again, theological question. So as parents, what do we do? We give them an answer like, well, we, maybe we explain the natural consequences of their decision. You know, if you follow, don't follow, these are the natural consequences that will happen. And if that doesn't work, we'll use the unnatural consequences of your actions. For example, if you don't do this, uh, you're gonna get a timeout or things like that. And if that doesn't work, what do we resort to? Parents all together? Because I said so, right? This is the ultimate answer, right? If, we, if they're finally our kids, and we reason with them and say, no, 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 that's why, why, why do I have to listen to you? We say, because we play the because I said so card, right? And we know we don't play it too often. <laughs> and we also know that this is a very th important theological statement because our children have to agree with the biblical view of authority in order for this to work, right? And just, just so that you know, biblical authority is universal <laughs> and uh, for all time. Um, but really, when we speak about authority, this is something that really touches our lives all the time. What does the Bible have to say about authority? And that's really what Psalm chapter two is about. So I'd like you to turn with me to Psalm chapter two, verse one. Psalm chapter two, verse one. 
And let's go ahead and stand in reverence for the word of God. And here the psalmist is speaking about the nations. And he says, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. And he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. So from this passage, we're gonna see what does it mean? We're gonna answer the question, what does it mean to live under the authority of Jesus? And the first thing we want to look at is what really happens, what we can learn from those who defy the authority of Jesus. Basically, how can we learn from the mistakes of others? You know, said the wise middle child, if you want to say. But verse 1 says this, says, why do the nations rage? and the people's plot in vain. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Now in this Psalm, we don't actually know the historical context, like a specific historical context. We don't know what's happening at the time this was written, but we know that basically there are a number of foreign kings, foreign rulers, who don't want to acknowledge the legitimacy of the king of Israel. And so the psalmist says they have set themselves up against the anointed, uh, the anointed from God. Now, I do want to establish some context here, some understanding as we look at this psalm. First of all, this is not applicable, not applicable to the present day nation of Israel. Okay, this is an Old Testament prophecy, so it's not about present day Israel. Um, during the Old Testament, God had decreed that whoever blesses Israel will be blessed and whoever curses Israel will be cursed. And so he was saying it was for every nation's benefit to be at peace and a good relationship with Israel. That's the Old Testament rule. And this was in a sense, it was an indicator of a nation's respect of the honor and authority of God. So basically, if you mistreat or you threaten Israel, that would mean that you are, are treating God's honor and God's power with disdain. And so Psalm 2, these four nations are saying to God, you know, we don't want your authority in our lives. We don't want to honor you. Uh, we don't want to obey your commands. We want to be independent from your rule and your authority. And the psalmist tells us that God's first response is verse 1. Uh, he says, why do the nations, oops, did I skip a verse here? Why do the nations raise, rage and the people plot in vain? So he's saying here, first of all, this is a doomed endeavor. It's just not going to work. It is not a good idea. Verse 4, the psalmist goes on to say, he, meaning God, who sits on the heavens, in the heavens he laughs and holds them in derision. Now, that's a very interesting phrase because it's kind of hard to imagine like God, the holy God, the loving God, kind of laughing at people, you know, like in a mocking way. But just to give you a picture of what this means or what this is like, let's say, again, uh, using a family illustration, you have three little children, okay? They're ages four, six, and seven. And they get together and they uh, write a formal letter and they present it to you. 
and they say, Mom, Dad, we had a meeting together, and we decided that uh, we're no longer going to listen to your authority. In fact, we wrote this document, we signed it, and it clearly states in writing that we can get up whenever we want to. Uh, we can go to school whenever we want to, if we want to. We can eat as much candy as we want, and we can make a mess, and, and we don't have to clean it up. And, uh, and so we all signed it, and we agreed that this is, this is our demands. Now, your parent, you received this letter. Would you be fearful of this uprising? Would you go, oh dear, I better talk with my spouse because we need to really negotiate with these kids <laughs> to figure out how we're going to deal with these demands? No, we would smile and say, that's sweet, honey. Look, look, they even signed it. Now go clean up your room and go to sleep, <laughs> right? See, there's nothing about them, these children, their inherent power that would present any reason for us to negotiate with their demands or to even consider or to fear their demands. Why? Because we're saying they don't know who they're dealing with, right? They don't know who they're dealing with, basically. And see, that's the picture in verse 4 as well. The psalmist is illustrating to the, reader, the, the, the readers at this time, this is these powerful, hostile nations, no matter how powerful they may be, and Israel in its history has faced a lot of very powerful nations. And God looks at these nations raging against him, raging against his people, and he basically tells them the same thing. You know what? You don't know who you're dealing with. You have no idea who you're dealing with. And see, this is the first aspect of authority, of the authority of Jesus, and that is that Jesus' authority is not shaken by worldly opposition. Jesus' authority is not shaken by worldly opposition. That if we stand with Jesus, if we live with Jesus, if we walk with Jesus, it means that we will meet a lot of opposition. We will meet struggles. But just like the nations rage against the anointed ones, uh, uh, Jesus will say to us, don't worry. Why? Because they have no idea who they are dealing with. Jesus saying, if they mess with my child, man, they mess with me. And don't mess with God. See, the, 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 if we're here today and we, we may be facing some opposition, uh, we may be facing some trial, some challenge, it may even be a person, and, and, and they're trying to stand against you, to hurt you, or to stop you from doing things that, that you think you need to do for God. Uh, Jesus is saying, hey, don't be afraid. This is his authority because they have no idea who they are dealing with. Again, for example, maybe it's somebody actually at school or at work who is actually trying to harm you. I mean, you're trying to do your best. You're trying to do what's right. You're trying to be a good example of Jesus, to walk with him, to treat others with the love of Jesus to be honorable in the things you do, and yet there are some people that, that just may have it out for you, may not, they say, we're not gonna have it. And they may even be like the kings conspiring against you. They're actually thinking about ways to put you down, to make you look bad, to foil your success, to undermine the things that you are doing, to hurt your reputation. And you may wonder on and on, how am I gonna, you know, how can I keep dealing with this all the time? What am I going to do? And God says, do not fear, for they plot in vain because of the authority of Jesus Christ. 
Maybe you're facing a very big obstacle in your life. Maybe you're thinking, well, I'm really trying to honor God and things just happen. Things are just happening in my life. Maybe it's a health problem. Maybe it's a, uh, just some issues in our lives, some, some things that, that, that we thought were gonna work in a certain way and all of a sudden they didn't work and it seems like that circumstances are keep coming up against what we're trying to do. There's roadblocks, unexpected situations. Things happen that we just weren't, that they're out of our control and we feel like, man, I feel like Satan is, is like raging against me. He's like trying to, to fight so hard against my family, against the ministry, against my integrity, against my life, the things I just want to simply, I just want to live for Jesus. I just want to do the right things. And it seems like Satan is just throwing stuff at me. And it's so hard. And God says to us by the authority of Jesus Christ, he says, do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid. Why? Because Satan plots in vain. When Satan rages against you and says, you'll never be able to do this. I'm going to stop you. You will never overcome this. You are always going to be this way. God says, I will fight for you. I will fight for you. When the king of Assyria was raging against Jerusalem and he was standing outside the door with his, his thousands, his armies and his chariots and Jerusalem and King Hezekiah was praying and, and the king of Assyria was saying, who is going to rescue you? Who is going to come to your aid? You know, don't even, don't even think about it. Don't even try. Don't, you just, just stop. You're just making a fool out of yourself, even trying to resist me. Who's going to come to your aid? And Hezekiah went into the temple and he cried out to God and God answered. He says, do not worry about King Sennacherib. He has conquered every nation one by one, but he has no idea. He has no idea who he's dealing with now. I will fight for you. See, when we stand under the authority of Jesus, that means when we face a threat, when we face opposition, when we face even someone who's standing against us in our walk with God, God says, do not worry. Do not fear. Because they're not fighting against you. They're fighting against God. And any attempt to fight against God will fail. And so the question I want to ask you this morning is what opposition are you facing right now? Maybe it's a, 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 an external opposition. It's literally some people or, or individuals that are causing some struggle. Or maybe it's a circumstances that you're facing. Or maybe it's internal. Maybe it's something inside of you, some struggles that you're facing inside, some hurts, uh, some sins or, or shame or guilt that, that is really, really hard. And you say, I, don't, I, I can't overcome it, God. Satan keeps telling me that I'm terrible. Satan keeps telling me that, 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 that if people find out, you, you'll be ashamed. You have to keep hiding. It may be, you know, uh, maybe uh, something spiritual where you're really trying hard to, to we're talking about you know, making these commitments to, to grow in the spiritual life and every time that we try to do something, something happens. Not something little, maybe something big and we're like, oh, you know, this was the day that I was gonna do this for God and, and, and suddenly I got this phone call and, and Satan's just fighting against me. He doesn't want me to grow. And we say, well, do, do we have the confidence in the authority of Jesus Christ, that whatever opposition that you are facing right now, that God will fight for you, that he will give you the power and the strength 
against those who stand against his, his anointed one. That's the first thing we, we think about, that God, his authority says that, that yes, we can stand against the things that are, are trying to overcome us right now. Not because we are strong or we're clever, but because of the authority of Jesus Christ. The second thing we want to look at is the nature of Jesus' authority. See, the, the I don't know how you say it, the paper cuts both ways, the, blade, the scissors cuts both ways. How do you say it? The scissors don't cut both ways. They only cut one way. The blade cuts both ways or double-edged sword. It cuts both ways. If you want to claim the authority of Jesus Christ, you also have to live under the authority of Jesus Christ, right? Right? I mean, we're going to say, I'm going to claim the authority of Jesus Christ for his protection, but I'm not living under his authority, I don't care about his authority, then that's kind of self-defeating. We have to really sit down and say, you know, why should I obey Jesus' authority? Because if we want to really live in Jesus' authority with his victory, uh, we ourselves must submit. We must say, what are the areas in my life right now that are not in submission to Jesus' authority. And so we ask, well, why should um, I obey Jesus? And this is that, that, that question, we're like that little child, why, mom, why? Or no, I don't want to. Why, why should I do that? And so the age-old question Jesus answers, actually, uh, it says, as for me, this is verse uh, six, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, on my holy hill, and I will tell of the degree the Lord said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Now you notice in verse six, um, the, the, the psalmist now changes, this is God now speaking, and it says the nations are crying out, why should we live under God's authority? And they're saying, why should, um, uh, what makes him rightful king over us? And don't we, you know, don't we get a say? In, in who we want to follow, and maybe even the Israelites themselves were saying, yeah, well, why should we obey God? Why should I submit to Jesus Christ? Why should I submit to his authority? And God himself answers in this verse, and his answer is, because I said so. Okay, again, I know we don't like this answer. We don't. We'd rather have someone say, Oh, here's the 10 reasons why you should obey God, why it's good for you to obey God. Or here's the 10 things that will happen to you if you don't obey God and things like that. And, and, and we like those, or we like to say, we're a democratic society. We like to say, well, the rulers over us are, are voted in by us, so, so, so you know, they have to do what we want, not we do what they want. Or we'll do what they want as long as we vote them in and we think that they're okay, things like that. Now, I'm not saying democracy is terrible. I love democracy. Please go out and vote this week. That's the last uh, political thing I'm going to say today. Um, but, you know, we come, from a very, we come from a democratic society, so everything is about voting. You know, if we don't like authority, we just vote them out. You know, we, say, we don't like this. And even if we vote them in, we don't like authority, we can just say all sorts of stuff. I'm not going to obey. I'm not going to honor. But uh, in kingship, kingship was different. I mean, this is, this is um, uh, the, the authority of Jesus is based on kingship, not democracy. Um, there's a very interesting uh, movie and the scene that I like the best, and I will remain, it will remain unsaid, but it's King Arthur and his knights, and they're, they're walking through this field, and... Um, and there's this very, there's these people that are his subjects and they're like verbally abusing him. So he says to them, he says, be quiet, be quiet. I order you to be quiet. And, and the, the lady looks at him and goes, who's this guy ordering us around? Who do you think you are? And he says, well, I'm your king. And she goes, he goes, well, I didn't vote for you. 
you know, and it's like, and, and then he goes on to talk about why he's authoritative because, you know, God had divinely anointed him as king and things like that. And, and I thought it was really funny because it's like in the United States, we'll think, okay, you only have authority if you're voted. If you're voted by me, then you have authority. But in a kingship, how does a person have authority? He is appointed king. People have no choice in it. He has just appointed the king and he has the authority by, uh, by decree. He has absolute authority over your life. And that's what Jesus, that's how Jesus has authority in this sense that Jesus is saying, God is saying, hey, when Jesus came to earth, it says that, uh, you know, it's not God saying, this is my son, think about what he has to offer you and if you like it, you can follow him. He didn't say that. Jesus didn't say to his disciples, let's go out and get the votes, man. Let's go out and, and cover the towns and make sure that I'm popular enough so that everybody will follow my authority. No, when Jesus was baptized, this is the Holy Spirit visibly came down from heaven, from heaven, descended upon him and signified that this is the Messiah, the anointed king of God. And God, if, if you miss that, my son. This is the son of God in whom I am well pleased. This is the decree of God. It is God saying, you follow this king. Why? Because I said so. Because I'm God and this is my son. And, and, and so we look at this and say, why should I honor God's authority? I mean, he didn't take my, my thoughts into consideration. I mean, what, what, do I, what if I want to do this or that? And God says, you know what? Jesus has authority because he is my son. And, and that's all we need because God said so. And so we look at this and we say, well, we've learned from how, you know, those who defy God's authority, we learn about the nature of God's authority, of Jesus' authority. The last thing we look at is how do we live under Jesus' authority. Look at verse seven. It says, I'll tell you the decree of the Lord. It says, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. And this is really cool when you read this because what it's saying is this is talking about Jesus' authority. And it says that God has given Jesus authority over all the nations. I will make the nations your heritage, like your inheritance. Um, the ends of the earth are, are your possession. They belong to you. And, and he's, saying, he's saying, you just ask of me and I'll give it to you. That's what God is saying to Jesus, basically. This is like the wealthiest most powerful man in the universe saying to a person, hey, whatever you want, whatever you ask for, it's yours immediately. See, that's what God is saying to Jesus. Jesus has a lot of authority. He has unlimited authority. Why? Because God says, whatever you ask, if you ask for the nations, you ask for the earth, they are yours. They belong to you. Now, we may look at this and say, okay, that's Jesus. Okay, that's Jesus. I can understand Jesus, you know, when he asked God to give him everything. But what about us? How does this apply to me? Well, um, it does apply to us, actually, really in a remarkable way. Um, you remember in, uh, when Jesus was uh, going to Jerusalem in 1 AD, and he was going with the disciples of Jerusalem. And on the way, the Gospel Mark says, on the way there, he came upon a fig tree, and he examined the fig tree for, lead, for, uh, for figs. And it says that when he saw the, the, the tree, he said there were a lot of leaves, but there, was no, uh, there were no figs. There's no evidence of any fruit. 
meaning there's no buds on the tree yet. And what that meant was that the tree on the outside looked like it was doing well, looked really healthy, looked like, you know, looking at the tree from a distance, said this is going to produce lots of fruit. But then when he examined it more closely, he said, well, wait a minute, there's no buds here. It looks like it's going to produce fruit, but it really won't produce any fruit. And so Jesus pronounces a curse on the tree. He says, he says I curse you, and then they, they, they go on a walk in the city. And, and then in Mark chapter 11, verse 20, it says they, the same day they were coming out of the city, and Peter, one of the disciples, says, whoa, wait a minute, stop, stop, stop. He looks and says, hey, teacher, that, that, that tree that you, um, that you cursed is dead. Like down to the roots, it's dead. And he was astonished. Why? Because this is a healthy tree, and it doesn't just die within, you know, like eight hours. It just, that, that's unnatural. And Peter is saying, Jesus, how did you do that? Because this is not, you know, this can't happen within this short of a space of time. That's impossible. It's virtually impossible. Not, there's no way anybody could do this. And then Jesus makes this statement. He says, have faith in God, and truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says, it will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Okay, so, so Jesus really didn't answer Peter's question, right? But what Jesus did is he made a very significant statement about what it means to live under Jesus' authority. See, Jesus is saying here, if you have faith, I will give you my authority to move mountains, that, 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 that you can uh, ask of me, that this mountain will move and I will move. It's the same thing, it's like just like what God said to Jesus in Psalm 2. He said to, to Jesus' his son, ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage, the ends of the earth your possession, meaning I'm expecting you to ask me of these things because I'm sharing my authority for you to do these things. That's why I'm asking, I'm, I'm giving this authority to you so that you will actually ask me to give you the nations, they belong to you and, and, and Jesus is saying, saying to you now his disciples to us, saying, I'm going to do the same thing for you, that this authority that God has given to me to ask of him, and he's asking me, expecting me to ask, that authority now I'm giving to you to ask of me as well, and I'm expecting you to ask of me to do these things. Jesus said to his followers, he says that, that, um, that I've given, God has given me all the authority over all the nations and I'm sharing my authority with you. You just ask by faith and, and, and you can tell that mountain to move, to move out of the way. We could say, well, you know, driving down to LA, I wish the grapevine would just move out of the way, boom, you know. And it's like, well, if we could do that, if it was for the kingdom of God, we could do that, but you know, it's not really for the kingdom of God. But you know, every once in a while we might think that. Um, but. This, is, this isn't the only place, actually, where Jesus gives his authority to his disciples. Uh, in Matthew chapter, uh, oops, Matthew chapter 6, verse 18, 16, verse 18, Peter and the disciples, he says to them, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What does that mean? He's saying, you are under my authority. You now act 
with my authority that if you say yes on earth for the kingdom, then you got the kingdom heavenly seal of approval that says, yes, this is going to happen. If you say, no, this is not going to happen, then you have God in heaven saying, no, this is not going to happen. Why? Because Jesus is now sharing his authority with you, with the disciples. Saying, I give you this power that God has given to me so that when you're in this world and when you face the things that you need to do for my kingdom, you can, you can bind them on earth and it will be bound in heaven. We live under Jesus' authority. Matthew chapter uh, 28, verse 18. And this is, we all know this one, right? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That's what Jesus says, right? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Now, we know this verse, and we probably can say it by memory. Now, again, here Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And we say, well, wait a minute, when did that happen? Well, look up Psalm 2, Jesus says. Hey, look up Psalm 2. Just look at the Bible. God said, ask of me, I will make the nations your heritage, the ends of the earth your possession. So it's real clear. Jesus has that type of authority. And Jesus says, God has now given me that authority, and now I'm going to give it to you. He says, behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now, a lot of times when we look at this verse, we think of it as a word of comfort. Oh, when I go share the gospel and I'm discouraged, Jesus says, don't feel so bad. I know people won't listen to you, but you're such a good servant. I love you so much. It's okay. And we think of it in that way. Oh, yeah, it's so hard to do evangelism. It's so hard to share the gospel. It's so hard to live for Jesus. Oh, I'm sorry, Jesus. It's okay. Don't worry. I'm with you always to the end of the age. But I'm not sure if that's exactly what Jesus is saying. I think what Jesus is saying, he's saying, I'm with you, meaning my authority goes with you wherever you go in my name. That when you go out in this world and you go and make disciples of all nations and you baptize them and teach them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy and you, and you teach them to obey, uh, observe the, the, the laws that, uh, that I've commanded you, that I, my authority is going to go with you. So do not be afraid. Do not be timid. You know, a lot of times when we do evangelism, and me too, I go to evangelism and say, you know, I feel like I'm apologizing because, you know, I feel bad about telling you that you should, you know, believe in Jesus. I know you have your own belief, and I know that's all good, and I feel kind of bad telling you that, you know, Jesus is the only way. You got to get rid of, like, all that stuff that you have believed. I'm really sorry, but, you know, if you want to go to heaven, that's, that's what God says. That, God says, don't be timid. You have authority. You have the authority of God. You have the authority of Jesus to say, what you believe in is just going to send you to hell. It's a lie of Satan. You have authority to say, Jesus is the Son of God. He is the only way. He's the only way to the Father. And we can say that with, um, with conviction, with courage, with confidence, without apology. Why? Because Jesus has been given authority over the world. He is the king of this world, and he has given that authority to us to also speak.
speak and to share that God is the authority, uh, that Jesus is the authority. Jesus says, you go in my authority, preach the gospel. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of this mountain that is in front of you, uh, this mountain that tells you you can't do this or you, you, you're never going to do this or this is never going to work. And that mountain stands there and says, I'm never going to move. And we say, in the name of Jesus Christ, by the authority of Jesus, you move. I'm not moving. I'm going there because that's where God is telling me to go. That's what God's telling me to do. That's what God's telling me to say and how to live. And you're the one that has to move out of the way, mountain. You're the one that has to move out of the way. Not me. I'm not going around you. I'm not going through, you know, all this thing just for you because you're saying you're a mountain. You can't be moved and nobody else can move you. And I'm, I'm, I'm a child of Jesus. And Jesus says, by authority, by authority of Jesus Christ, I just pray and you got to move out of the way. Whatever mountain you are, Jesus, go in my authority. You preach the gospel. You tear down strongholds. You enter enemy territory, and you take that territory. You kick down the gates of hell, and you make disciples of all nations, and you baptize them, teach them, obey all my commands, and I am with you. I, I'm with you till the end of the age. I am already loosing these things in heaven right now now so you can loose them on earth right now and 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 this is what god is calling us to do and to be as believers in jesus christ not the world like this mountain is telling us to be ashamed is telling us you are what's wrong with you you're racist you're blah 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 you're this you're this trying to make us feel ashamed that's just satan that's satan and his lies trying to tell a child of god that you should be ashamed of being a child of god that's a mountain. And we say to the mountain, um, sorry, you move. Because I'm, I'm going. I'm going straight to do the things that God has called me to do. And Jesus is coming. And I'm doing this because I think I'm great and I deserve everything or whatever. I'm doing this because Jesus said, I've given you the authority that when you pray, the mountains will move. That when people attack you and try to hurt you and try to stop you, that they're not fighting against you. They're fighting against God. And they will fail. They will fail. And so as we think about, as we prepare for our Lord Jesus Christ and celebrating in him, uh, we think about this idea of the authority of Jesus Christ and really what this means for each one of us uh, in our lives right now, in the obstacles that we face, in the things that we feel that God is calling us to do and yet we, we, we never get around to it because there's always something that gets in the way. Hey, that's a mountain. You just tell it to move. And you go forward for whatever God is calling you to do, to make those changes, to be that person, to do that for your family so that God will be honored in your life and that the gospel will go forward in this community, in your workplace, in your school. Do not be ashamed. Do not be afraid. So this time we're going to go ahead and, and we're going to take communion. It's a reminder to us of, of Jesus with all his authority and power. What he did was to uh, surrender that authority and power and, and become in the form of a man and, and, and give his life, give his body and give his blood 
so that we might be saved, so that we might have, uh, that we might be the children of God. And so I encourage you that if you are a believer in Christ, uh, come and we'll take the communion together and, and pray together and be reminded. Uh, pray together about the authority of Jesus. Even pray powerful prayers claiming victory against whatever mountain you are facing right now. Whatever obstacle you're facing right now, pray the authority of Jesus Christ um, that you will have that victory. So let's go ahead and spend some time in prayer, quietness, and when you're ready to come up, let's, you can come up and take communion and, 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 and pray together. Pray in groups and we'll fill this, this, this sanctuary with, with prayers of the authority of Jesus Christ. Let's just go ahead and pray in groups. Let these prayers be powerful prayers because we pray in the name of Jesus Christ.